A little hidden history, a little pedagogy, a lot of ways we can improve our teaching and mindset so that our history and social studies classrooms tell a more complete, diverse human story. I'm Cheryl Ann Amendola, and this is the Teaching History Her Way podcast. Do you love the Teaching History Her Way podcast? I know I do. Help me continue to record episodes by purchasing some totally awesome history merch from my Amazon store. Any profits made fund the price of producing the Teaching History Her Way podcast. You can find the link in the show notes or on my website. Go to www.teachinghistoryherway.com and click on merch. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Teaching History Her Way podcast. My name is Cheryl Ann Amendola, and I am your host. I'm really glad that you're here with me today because we have another fabulous show about fabulous Civil War women and the Women and the American Story program through the New York Historical Society. I've met so many wonderful people through this program, and I'm so glad that they think enough of me to share themselves with my podcast and to talk about what they've learned. And I think you're going to learn a lot again today too. Today's guest is Tracy Garrison Feinberg. She's been an educator since 1990, teaching social studies in high school for five years in the early 1990s and returning to the classroom in 2017 after working for Facing History and Ourselves for 18 years. And I don't know about you, but I love Facing History. And she also had a short stint as a museum educator on Long Island. Currently, she is the humanities department head at Clinton Middle School in Brooklyn, where she also teaches seventh grade humanities. Yay, middle school. She is a total New York Historical Society fangirl, me too, and loves talking about the WAMS curriculum. Tracy, welcome. Thank you, Cheryl Ann. I'm glad to be here. So tell our audience a little bit more about you before we get started. What brought you to WAMS and what are your interests and why do you love women's history? Oh, well. Who doesn't love women's history? Fair so, enough. So um, what brought me to WAMS, uh, sort of roundabout, I was working at Facing History and Ourselves, and we were doing a number of programs with New York Historical Society. Um, and through many iterations, like I preceded all of the people that we know and love who are there now. Um, but after working on uh, a couple of exhibitions that Facing History and New York Historical uh, co-hosted, um, I also did some training for their security staff um, around the lynching exhibition that they had, gosh, probably now 20 years ago. And uh, the whole time that I was working with New York Historical Society, I kept telling the staff that was there, it's like, gosh, I wish I was back in the classroom so that I can use this cool stuff in my teaching. And then lo and behold, when I get back into the classroom in 2017, the first call that I made was to the, the education staff at New York Historical. It was like, I want to sign up for everything. And that was when Mia Nagawecki said, you're going to love this new thing that we've got. We're calling it Women in the American Story. Are you in? And I was like, I am so in. So really just sort of watched it form from the beginning and was so lucky that as these curricular units and modules were being written and developed, um, I could bring them into my classroom like immediately. So that's sort of the roundabout way that I came back. But I was so glad to be back teaching in the classroom at this point in New York Historical Society's um, at, at this point in their history. They have such a brilliant education department and they offer so much 
to yeah. everyone. So, I mean, I know that on this show, I go on and on about women in the American story, but there's more to New York historical. If you just go to newyorkhistory.org and you take a look or nyhistory.org and you take a look because their education department really offers quite a lot. Um, and as Tracy just said, the women in the American story program has been around for quite a while before teacher ambassadors got involved and watching it develop has been really great. So for those of you who are not familiar with WAMS or Women and the American Story through the New York Historical Society, it offers not just resources so that the teacher and the student can learn about specific women and also women's roles in specific time periods. It also offers primary source documents, but even better than that, it offers essential questions. It offers activities for students to do with those primary source documents and with the life stories of women. It offers connecting. It connects the women that they use over time and through different races and religions. And it's just a really amazing module, I guess we could call it, that New York Historical Society offers. So you should definitely check it out. Um, so Tracy was a Civil War, women in the Civil War expert. I'm going to go back and I'm going to do that again because I know you're an expert, but I don't like the way I said that. So Tracy was a part of the Civil War Women's Cohort for the teacher ambassadors for women in the American story. So what New York Historical did was they brought a bunch of teachers in and asked us to get really, really familiar with their materials. So what did you learn about Civil War women through WAMS during your time as an ambassador? Oh, so much. Um, and I had the good fortune in 2019 to be part of their NEH Institute on Women in the American Revolution and Women in the Civil War. So when WAM's ambassadors came about, I had already done some curriculum writing on women in, in those two wars in particular. And when they said, choose a cohort, it was like rolling the dice. Um, but was the, my first choice was Civil War and Reconstruction because it's just, it's been an area of U.S. history that I've always been interested in. As I've learned more about my family's history, um, there's actually some significant ties to the Civil War that we didn't realize. And so anything that I can just sort of uh, just drink up, I was really excited about. But one of the things that stood out, and it really came from my students, Every time I introduce the life story or any resource about women who actually fought, they went nuts. They were just like, wait a minute, do you have any more stories on women who served? And so being able to have not only the stories of women who disguised themselves, um, I think there are two life stories um, in particular that talk about women who at some point, one fighting for the Confederacy and one fighting for the Union, who disguise themselves as men to be soldiers. But really to even talk about people like Susie King Taylor, who did not fight as a soldier, but we could talk about how she and the people in her community were able to emancipate themselves, were able to, um, ask for certain things, you know, make demands about their lives as they were ending the war and going into the reconstruction period. Um, those stories that 
gave women so much more agency. Right. Um, just really stood out to my students. I mean, at first it was sort of like women fought in the war, yay. Um, but then just learning that they actually did have choices. They weren't just sitting home writing letters, um, waiting for their men to come home. That these were women who made choices that in some cases actually assisted the war effort, um, whether it was by bringing news um, to different sides or just, again, like Susie King Taylor, who are taking charge of what their life is going to be like after the war. And I feel like when you start to scratch the surface of women's history and you are brand new to it and you haven't really brought it into your classroom, there tends to be this focus on the women who waited home or the nurses and they have value and WAMS values them too. It's not like they're missing, but there are so many more stories that we can tell our students because we're learning about them because we know. And Susie King Taylor was such a great example for you to bring up. And we, there's actually a sister episode to this. If you wanted to hear it, it's the, um, the one called women, civil war soldiers and gender expression. So if you want to learn specifically about some, uh, some women who fought in the civil war, you can head back in time a little bit and, uh, and listen to that episode. To me, I feel like women's stories are just so valuable and having more of them to tell. I love that word that you used agency, having more stories about agency to tell empowers the women of the past, but I also feel like it empowers the women who are in our classrooms. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I work with seventh graders, which is a crazy, wonderful age because they're all over the place, but watching young women and young men start to realize that, oh, history isn't just something that happened to all of these famous people. Um, this person did this thing and made this choice at, at this point. Uh, I'm getting ready to go into my Civil War unit. So some of these things are, you know, just I haven't necessarily got gotten back into it yet, but I'm, I'm thinking about the way in which students responded to how we talked about the American Revolution. And knowing that, and of course, because I'm a fan of WAMs, most of the, you know, firsthand accounts that I gave them were of women in the war. Um, But being able to ask the question, you know, did someone who we think did not have a lot of power, like an enslaved person, like a woman of any class, um, wait, she was able to do this? If she was able to make this choice in this situation, then I can make choices and, you know, my life isn't at stake here or the stakes aren't as high. So watching young people take these stories in and relate to them, it sort of closes the gap. You know, they're not thinking about, oh, that was 200 years ago or that's somebody like me. Yes, absolutely. And the more that we can close that divide, one of the one of the challenges that I find in teaching ancient history, actually, is helping students see the humanity of people like the humanness of it all. But using these life stories and talking about women in the Civil War who made choices, I love that word too, really gives them humanity and relatability. And then that really draws the kids into the history. 
Yeah, absolutely. And that's, I think that's the key for anybody who's teaching history in this current climate is helping young people understand that it's relevant to their lives today. It's not musty. It's not something that happened only to a bunch of dead old white guys mm-hmm. um, that it continues to have ramifications for us today. Um, and especially as charged as the teaching of history has become, which I really did not expect to see at this point in my lifetime. I did not expect us to be having full out debates and arguments and fights over what is okay to teach. Um, anytime that we can sort of dial down that emotion and say, we're talking about this history because it happened to human beings like us who had some of the same desires, beliefs, um, goals, um, challenges as us, even though it was a different time and sort of to help students make that connection so that it is relevant. So it's one of the things that I've noticed over the last few years, I don't get the question, why do I have to learn this? Yes. And I used to get that every year. And I don't want to say that it's just because I'm using a lot of whams and I'm using (laughs) a lot of story about women, but I don't hear from kids nearly as frequently as I used to. Well, why do we have to learn this anyway? They're making the connections, which tells me that I'm actually doing what I'm hoping to do, which is help them see that we're learning this history so we can understand how human beings make certain choices. I always tell my students and my colleagues and anyone who will listen that representation matters. And that is why representation matters, because if kids see who they are in the past, not only does it help them figure out who they are in the present, but then they care about it. Yeah, absolutely. So I was looking through some of the resources about women in the Civil War, and one of the ones that picked my interest was actually about a group of women. Um, There are many, many, and I'm going to bring up maybe one or two more that uh, Tracy and I can talk about today, but I was looking at the ones from the sanitary fairs. Oh, yeah. So groups of women got together during the Civil War to fundraise, and it was very similar in the American Revolution. There was a lot of fundraising going on, and no one no one took revolutionary women seriously. Quaker women were actually the big ones in the American Revolution that did lots of fundraising. But there, there were these women who actually had fairs to help fund the union's sanitary commission. And I just found that, I found that incredibly interesting. There are a bunch of primary sources that shows, that show pictures of it and crafts that they made that they sold at basically these craft fairs. But Tracy was talking earlier about agency and empowerment and the U.S. Sanitary Commission led by men, wasn't really feeling what these women were doing because it was too forward and too too outwardly political for, for their taste. Uh, but eventually they had they ended up having to recognize these women because they raised something like, 
oh gosh, $80,000 in the, in 1863. Yeah. $80,000 now. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's amazing. And we think about what that meant. $80,000 in 1863. I mean, we're, that's hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars today. Um, I mean, for me, it's just one of the things that I'm, um, getting ready to start my students with as we move from um, the growth of the United States in the early to mid 1800s into the Civil War. One of the very last um, sort of topics that we were talking about in our previous unit was this notion of reform movements. And it's the reform movements of the antebellum period that give women a voice and a purpose. And the more that they are involved, whether it's um, temperance or whether it's healthcare or whether it's um, uh, prison reform or education reform, um, when they're realizing their agency, they keep saying things like, you know, it would be really great. We could probably get a lot more done if we could vote. So making those connections and seeing women even in the war period itself, continuing this this drive to improve society, to promote a cause. All of these things keep building and building and giving them more and more power. I mean, one of the things that stands out for me, and I love that WAMS doesn't always go for the like five women we always talk about, but but then does talk about those women in a different way. So yes, we're going to learn about Harriet Tubman, but did you know this story about her? Yes, we're going to know about Harriet Beecher Stowe, but did you know this story about her? When we actually look at who were the people who helped turn the tide of the years leading to war, as well as during the war itself, you cannot tell this story without women. You cannot um, under you cannot underestimate or downplay the role of Harriet Beecher Stowe and the other women, the Grimke sisters, all of those abolitionists who were there at the forefront. And when we get into the Civil War, the two the two people I'm most excited about talking about with my students are Harriet Tubman and Robert Smalls. And I know he's not a woman. It's the only thing that's sort of against him in this whole story. But I talked to them about these superheroes because they were. And the fact that they were able to do so much and not just at this one moment, that that, uh, Harriet Tubman was a spy, that she's a decorated Union soldier at some point, that she gets a, a pension and a recognition because she was doing all of these things throughout the war effort. And she represents so many of those women whose names we don't know. The ones who are fighting alongside her, the ones who were smuggling information that allowed her to do what she did. I love that the women that you mentioned are not just boilerplate when you, when you use these resources and when you read about them. And it's so hard sometimes to find resources that don't tell the exact same story yep. about, about a person. So a lot of times 
a lot of times you, you just kind of know the same thing or you give up because you feel like there, there, there must not be anything left to learn because nobody is writing about this. But New York Historical Society really did their digging and really did their research. And they're so thorough. And everyone, no one is one dimensional. Not one person that they talk about or one group of women that they talk about in the entire curriculum is one dimensional. There is so much to learn about them. You almost feel like you know them when you're done. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it really, it does for anybody reading this curriculum, anybody teaching it, it does what my whole goal as a teacher has always been is to show how complicated and messy history really is. My students always want to know who's the good guy and who's the bad guy. One of the things I love about the Civil War stories is we're talking about women who were supporting the Confederate cause. Yeah. I'm teaching in Brooklyn. Many of my students uh, identify as Black or, or Latinx, and they're just sort of like Confederacy bad. Um well, you know, I'm kind of glad that the Confederacy lost. You know, they were really promoting the wrong thing. But taking these stories of these women and presenting them alongside a Harriet Tubman or a Harriet Beecher Stowe so that we understand that there were women making choices for a side that maybe at this point we feel like, oh, gosh, that was the wrong choice. But being able to say, why would an Hispanic woman want to fight for the Confederacy. And it allows for us to really get into the complicated nature of people, that history is messy. You know, very rarely are the sides clear cut, you know, right, wrong, good, evil, that there's always some complexity in there that even if at the end of the day, we feel like, wow, this was a pretty great story, but she chose the wrong side. We have a sense of why she chose rather than just writing her off because she's got, you know, the big C for Confederacy branded on her. And Loretta uh, Velasquez, who is, um, that's who you're talking about. I'm guessing her, her story is so complicated because then she switches sides. Yes. And then why does she do that? That is that is the beauty of complexity and messiness yeah. in, in history. So, Tracy, what is one suggestion that you have for our teacher listeners for something that they could do in their classroom tomorrow or a week from now to start bringing women's history in? Um, well, they need to go to the WAMS website. That's number one. That's number one. Um, one of the easiest things to do, and it's one of my favorite things in the nation divided part of the curriculum. There, It starts with this picture of this black woman in a union uniform. And then there is a companion picture of her in just sort of normal civilian dress. We don't know anything about her. New York Historical has not been able to find out her name, you know, why she's wearing a union uniform, but it is such a compelling picture. And even just taking that picture and asking students, what is this picture telling you about this history? What are the questions that you have for this woman? What do you think is going through her mind as she's, because she's made a choice to be photographed in a union uniform. 
What is she trying to tell us? And it's a great way to even, there's so many of these resources that you could do for any part of US history. Um, But that one just sort of stands out to me because I'm so compelled when I go to the landing page for A Nation Divided and her face is staring back at me. And I was like, what do you think she's thinking? What do you think she's seen? Why is she making this choice to say, this is who I am? And this is what I did, even if we don't know anything else about her. That is a really incredible picture. And even just her facial expression, the way she's looking at the camera. Oh, yeah. She has seen some things. (laughs) Well, Tracy, thank you so much for chatting with us about WAMS and about women in the Civil War and about how you use these resources in your classroom, because I can't. I would shout it from the rooftops across like New York, New Jersey metro area if I could, because I just think it's just such a wonderful resource. And there are so many wonderful people that are a part of it, including you. Um, So thank you so much for being with us. My pleasure, Cheryl. And thank you for asking me. You know, I would talk about whams forever. So thanks. Well, I might ask you back. So Okay. (laughs) We could do that. Let's talk about uh, Melitzen next time. Yes. Or Love Anime her. Wong, one of my favorites. So, audience, if you'd like to get in touch with uh, Tracy outside of this podcast, just give me a holler on my email at Cherylann at teachinghistoryherway.com. Or you can find me on Instagram at teachinghistoryherway, on Twitter at historyherway, or on my website, www.teachinghistoryherway.com. I'm also on Facebook, Teaching History Her Way. There's a pattern here. And audience members, thank you so very much for being back to listen to another episode of the Teaching History Her Way podcast. The day we recorded this episode, I hit 4,000 downloads and I wouldn't be there without your support and your love. And I very much appreciate it because I love podcasting. I love talking to you. I love teaching. I love history. And most of all, I love our students. So thank you so very much. And I will see you or talk to you next week.